Hey, this is Kathleen. And when I'm not unfucking businesses here on the podcast, I'm unfucking real estate over at ysaintpete.com. My company is Sighty Realty, and we are excited to sponsor this episode. This is Kayla Reynoso from Tampa Tutors, and you're listening to Unfuck My Business. No bullshit advice for business owners who want to be resilient as fuck. And here are your hosts, my absolute favorite people in the world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Unfuck My Business. It is your pal Robin Sales, and I'm taking the reins today because we are talking about one of my favorite, favorite, favorite topics, which may surprise you. We're talking about sales. And specifically, today we're going to help you unfuck your sales for your product or service or business a little bit today. I love sales because everybody does it. And if you say you don't, you're lying. And if you say you don't like it, you are ill informed. <laughs> You are literally doing it all day, every day. Every conversation you have with a potential client is a sales conversation. And I want to right away address one of the things that I hear so often, particularly in the folks that I work with, is like, oh, I don't like sales. Oh, I don't want to be a salesperson. Okay. There is a difference between sales and sales tactics. Okay. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. There is a difference between sales and sales tactics. What is driving you to feel icky about sales for whatever reason you're feeling icky about sales right now is because you have had a shitty experience with bad sales tactics. So do not let a shitty experience with bad sales tactics color your entire outlook on sales or the process of selling. If you could, in your mind, replace the word sales with helping, you are trying to help the people that you're trying to serve. You are selling them something that's going to help them do something. Unless you are literally trying to shove products and services down people's throats that you know they don't want or need, you should not have a problem with selling. It is literally the mechanism with which you get the thing that you have to the people who need it. And trust me, y'all, there are people out there who need it. I don't care how weird, stupid, ultra niched, completely frivolous, or overly complicated your thing is. I guarantee fucking to you, there is somebody on Google right now searching for exactly who you are and what you have. And if you're feeling icky about sales, they're never going to fucking find you. And you're never going to be able to get the thing that you have to the person who wants it. So shake that shit off right now. Hopefully you're going to love sales by the time we're done with this conversation. Because if you are in business in any way, shape or form, you need to sell and you need to get comfortable with it. I guarantee you there's a sales tactic, a sales process, a sales methodology, call it whatever you want. There is one out there that fits you, that is comfortable for you, and will work for you. And hopefully we're going to have enough of a discussion today to point you in the right direction to find those processes that will work for you. Now, I want to go around, (laughs) now that I've gotten off my soapbox, (laughs) let me go around and introduce everybody who's joining me for this conversation today. 
I have my pal and co-host, Chris Jinx Jenkins. Jinx, say hello. What's up, on fuckers? Also joining us is our community director and your real estate guru, Miss Kathleen Seidy. Hello, hello. My pal in the branding and strategy space, and also one of the best DJs I know, Mr. Shay Jeffers. Oh, much appreciated, and hello, people. <laughs> and then my new best friend and frequent commenter on the show, guest starring with us today for this discussion about sales, Miss Angel Love. Say hello. Hello. All right. So we're going to dive into the topic of unfucking sales. And I'd like to start with everybody talking about a specific thing that was fucked up in your sales or sales process that you have unfucked over the years. Like, was there any moment of like, oh, this is what I'm doing wrong and this is how I fixed it. So can anybody share any unfucking of their own sales that they've done before we give people specific advice and resources? Kathleen. I talk too much. <laughs> and, you know, in real estate, the, the cool thing is people are coming to me knowing they already need something, right? There's no convincing about that that needs to happen. So like back off of that. Don't be a douchebag. People want it, right? But I'm big at seeing a potential in a space. I'm big at talking through the ins and the outs and the details and the neighborhood, all these things. And for a few people, that's great. And for most people, I was just getting in my own way and showing way more homes to people than they wanted to see or needed to see to make a good decision and have a wonderful life. You know, a mentor of mine, one of my former bosses used to say, ask the question and then shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, well, and realize you don't need to provide them the information you need to make a decision. You need to provide them the information they need to make a decision. Ding, ding, ding. And that was my problem. And that requires asking good questions and listening. We're going to talk about specific phases of the sales process here in a bit. But yeah, we're definitely going to come back around to that one. Thank you for sharing, Kathleen. Anybody else have a specific story about unfucking their own process? Yeah, Angel. So when I first learned the difference between sales tactics and what actual sales was, it was doing outbound calling on the phone in a call center. <laughs> and your face tells me that you're very familiar with that. That's a rough gig. It is a hard job. It's a really hard job. And one of the best coachings I ever got was work smarter, not harder. I was working hard. Like I knew the things that people tended to like the most about what we were selling and I wanted to give them all of it. I wanted to be like, these are all the reasons why you need this. And if they told me no, then I would tell them eight more reasons. Or I would say the same reasons that I said before, but in a different way. Until they got my point of view and, and came over to my side. The best coaching I ever got was to ask the questions and get the input. People need stuff. You just have to find out what it is that's going on in their lives and how what you're offering is applicable to that. And that way you can speak to it. That was my learning. Yeah, I love that. Work smarter, not harder. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but listen, cliches are there because they work, right? Something becomes a cliche because people have been able to follow that advice solidly over and over and over again. And certainly in the world of outbound sales, where many times your quotas are about quantity over quality and time is of the essence, if you're spinning your wheels, talking about all the benefits 
without finding out which specific benefit is important to them, then yeah, you're, you're never going to meet your goals. So I love that example. Any other examples before I share one? Uh, I like tossing the fact of not properly describing the outcome that you're providing. That can really bite you in the butt <laughs> uh, because you get so, so busy t- discussing the process, but you don't discuss the outcome and the customer kind of loses their, their interest or their vibe with you. Yeah. So many times we get hung up on the thing and not what the thing means to the person who wants to buy it. It's not about the thing. It's about what the thing can do for the person. And in the traditional sales landscape, we talk about features versus benefits. And most salespeople get hung up on the features. Well, it's state of the art. It's the latest technology. It can do this. It can go zero to 60 in under, you know, uh, four seconds, right? And like, I don't care about that. What I want to know is how is it going to make me feel when it goes zero to 60 in under four seconds, right? (laughs) It's how's it going to change my life? How's it going to improve my life? And there are certain things that you can do. Like, is it going to make me feel important? Is it going to make me feel loved? Is it going to make me feel special? There are certain triggers that you can focus on once you know the answer for people. But we tend to get focused on the features, all the cool bells and whistles that make the thing awesome. And we don't focus on the benefits, which is what all those features mean to you. So one of my favorite phrases when I'm working with salespeople or on a sales process with someone is, the words, so that you can. And you don't necessarily have to use these words specifically, but when you are working on trying to shift the focus from the features of the thing to the benefits of the thing, think to yourself in your head so that you can. This thing has state-of-the-art technology so that you can have the latest and greatest at your disposal so that you can not have to worry about constant updates, so that you can spend less time worrying about your technology, so that you can spend more time worrying about your business, so that you can get more sales with less effort. Do you see what I'm doing there? You keep going further and further down, keep peeling back those layers so that you can, so that you can. And the more you know about the person you're talking to, the more focused you can get with those benefit statements so that you can. Because really what it's about is this is going to do something for me that I need. I need the latest technology so that I can have one less thing to worry about so that I can live the quality of life that I'm seeking. I'm getting a little philosophical here, but that's what I like about that is if we shift the focus to the benefits and not the features. The features are secondary to the benefits. And that seems counterintuitive, but I promise you, it works. So let's shift the focus here in just a second. Jinx, did you have any unfucking of your own sales process to share? I'll just say that I think I'm practically the target market for this particular episode because of the (laughs) fact that here's how my sales process works in general. People call me up and ask me to do things and give me money that, you know, (laughs) like, That's really in my head how it always works. But the real fact of the matter is it's a consulting sort of sale or consultative sale or whatever else. We're having a conversation. And when you said at the beginning, you know, replacing the idea of selling, which I have very much thought of in in Angel's paradigm of, you know, hassling someone to buy your product versus, you know, talking about what the problem is and what a solution might look like and what it might cost to implement that sort of a solution. That was definitely a a mind shift in my head. So, you know, 
really putting myself not on the other side of the table, but on the same side of the table as the client looking out at the problem on the other side of the table. I think that was just sort of the biggest mind shift for me in a sales process. We're always going to experience bad sales process and bad sales tactics out there in the world. And there are some industries and some products and services that are kind of notorious for it. I think one of the stereotypes is like the pushy used car salesman, you know, who's trying to convince you to buy this hunk of junk on the lot that he knows is going to break down, right? And so if we think about that stereotype, the key there is intent. And so here's another mindset shift for everybody is if your intent is to help the person, if your intent is to get them exactly what the solution is to their problem, like Jinx said, that's not a used car salesman. That's not the person who's out to take advantage of somebody. If your intent is to, let me see how many of these fucking things I can sell, then, okay, we have a problem. That's not selling. That's manipulation. That's, you know, that's a whole other thing, right? But if you've got this thing that you know is going to help people and you're experimenting with different tactics and processes to get the thing into the hands of the people that you know it will help, it's all about the intent. And if you can build your process and build your techniques around the right intent, it almost can't fail. And then Jinx, you said another key word, which is consultative. So I am a firm believer. I am an advocate for, an evangelist for relationship style selling, consultative selling. The other side of that coin is more prescriptive selling. There does come a time and a place where the clients need you to just tell them what the answer is. (laughs) And so I think another key factor in creating a sales process that really fits you and your business is understanding when your potential clients need you to be consultative and when they need you to be prescriptive. And those will fluctuate depending on your industry and they'll fluctuate depending on what's happening in the market right now. So when I first started teaching sales and writing sales training, like shit, close to 20 years ago, we were way more prescriptive. It was about being a trusted advisor from the standpoint of, I know the best. I know exactly which product and service you need. It's about being prescriptive as a trusted advisor and telling people the best thing. And we would put an emphasis on a different place in the sales process. Most sales processes have four main buckets. You're planning and prospecting, which means you're finding leads, you're finding places to go to find your leads. You're qualifying those leads, right? Is this person the right fit for me? Am I the right fit for them? You're building relationship and rapport and you're closing, okay? So I've identified you as a potential client. I have done the qualifying work to make sure you are in fact a good fit. I've built rapport with you so that you know that you like and trust me and I'm the right provider for you. And then, you know, how are we going to sign on the dotted line? How are you going to write me that check, right? Whatever closing mechanism works for your particular thing. We used to place so much emphasis 20 years ago on qualifying and closing. And we would use terms like overcoming objections, right? Which is where you get into what Angel was talking about, like convincing people that they need this thing. Because we were coming at it from the I'm your trusted advisor. I know best what you need. 
So let me ask you questions that were designed to point you to the things that I wanted to sell you. And then let me use my heavy-handed closing techniques to convince you that you need this right now. What has happened over the last 20 years is customers have gotten a lot savvier and we have access to much more information, right? So I still need a trusted advisor, but I don't need you to tell me what's best for me. I don't need you to tell me what my options are. I know what my options are. So to Kathleen's point earlier, like people know what they need when they come knocking on Kathleen's door. What they need Kathleen to do is say, help me take all of this information I have and make a good decision with it. I know that I need a thing. Your job is to help me realize which thing I need, how to make a good decision with it. And so now the emphasis has shifted incredibly towards prospecting and planning getting yourself in front of the right people, not just any person, the right people, and then building rapport. Building rapport has come so critical to the sales process because I already know you need the thing. You already know you need the thing. It's about understanding exactly what you need and why so I can build a custom solution or so I can recommend you to the right resource or so that we can get you package A because you don't need package B, right? So building rapport has become key and king in the sales world. And you'll see a lot of sales processes shift in that direction. And the wonderful thing, so for all of the folks who are feeling icky about sales, (laughs) at the start of this conversation, The really exciting part of that is that if you do a good job of making sure you've got the right people in front of you and building rapport with them, all those icky closing techniques become unnecessary. They become completely unnecessary. All of the things that made you feel shady, you know, that made you feel like you were convincing and manipulating people become unnecessary because we've done the work up front to make sure that we're only talking to the right people and we're building the right rapport with them. Clearly. I could go on and on and on about this, but I want to bring the conversation back around to what I see are common fail points for new businesses and new entrepreneurs who are struggling to build a sales process that works for them. And usually when people come to me and say they need help unfucking their sales, it's not actually their sales they have a problem with, it's a lead generation. And so I would love to go around and have some of you share some wisdom about your lead generation or things that you've seen work in terms of lead generation, meaning getting access to potential clients, getting in front of the right potential clients. So Shay, I'd love to start with you because I know that you've done some work on your own and you're also helping people strategize their process as well. So what are some of the best practices in your world in terms of lead generation? Establish a presence with the clients that you want to engage serve the people that they are also trying to serve so that you can recognize that you're also that you're like-minded individuals and then if you happen to have that service or product that helps them do better in their realm they will start to be drawn towards you so for instance i have a friend who is a bank manager and one of her biggest methods of generating clientele is by participating in charities and events and being amongst the local people. And that leads to conversations, and the conversations lead to conversions. What tends to happen is people show up at a place and then they go straight for the close. And when we're saying that the new tactic is qualifying people first and then building those relationships, you have to give it time. You have to give it time for that conversation to start, to mature, and to develop into a sales conversation versus just a 
hi, I have this product for you, you know? I love it. Yeah, don't walk in the door and go, hi, nice to meet you. Buy this thing, (laughs) right? (laughs) That could be a whole other episode. I always think in my head, the Little Mermaid, where Ariel says, I want to be where the people are. Like, that's your job as far as lead generation is where are your people? You need to be where they are. Yeah, you don't start with look at this stuff, isn't it neat? Yeah, you don't start with look at this stuff, isn't it neat? Thank you for picking up on that. You don't start with the, ooh, look at the gizmos and gadgets aplenty that I have. You start with being where the people are. And in order to be where the people are, you have to know who your people are. And so when I talked about how the sales process has shifted, shifting more towards understanding who your ideal client truly is and where are they and where are these conversations already taking place so that you can do as Shay suggested and put yourself there in that scenario to be a part of those conversations. That could be digitally, that could be in person, that could be in print. You could be writing articles that put you in front of the people who would become your ideal client. You could be creating content. You could be creating social media posts, engaging in Facebook groups or online communities. But in order to be where the people are who want to buy your products and services, you have to know who those people are and go find them and go become a part of those communities and join that conversation. Who else has insights and ideas for lead generation? Yeah, Chris. That was something that I struggled with forever. But like I said, my model really is getting people to call me. And so that's why I generally always lean so hard on authority marketing. And I fundamentally generate leads by giving away some sort of actionable benefit to people in public. I hate the idea of calling someone and being like, oh, you know, do business with me or something along that line. I always want the relationship to be, they are interested in meeting me. They want to know about my services. They're reaching out to me. You know, I'm a hundred percent inbound across the board. And so by getting out there and by taking small digestible pieces of actionable advice and, and putting them out to the public at large, it sort of establishes me as someone who wants to help, who's wanting for you to succeed, whether or not I'm making any money on it. And that generally makes it easier for people who know your service and need your service to decide to use your service. You know, that's been a hundred percent of my sales sources throughout my career. Absolutely. Sometimes when I'm working with folks to build a sales process, they're afraid to give anything away. And they don't realize that giving a little piece away is it's like the appetizer before the meal. Give me an amuse-bouche so I get an idea of what the full course dinner is going to be like. And if I really enjoy the amuse-bouche, I'm going to come back and pay for the whole meal. Also, that was just an opportunity for me to say amuse-bouche which does not get used enough. It's way more fun than appetizer. I'm a huge fan of that. (laughs) But specifically, an amuse-bouche is one bite, right? Yeah. It's not like a full appetizer. It's a spoon, you know, a taste. Yep. So give them a little taste. So that little taste might be a download. That little taste might be an actionable tip when you're giving a presentation somewhere. It might be advice on a networking call, right? It might be taking those 15-minute calls I know, Jinx, you have this amazing policy of like, if I can solve it in 15 minutes over the course of this email or this phone call, you get it for free, right? Yeah, absolutely. Most of my partners and clients are long-term partners and clients, six months to a year or more. And so a 15-minute issue isn't where I make my money. It's the year-long relationship where I make my money. If it's 15 minutes, it's free. Yeah. And so that establishes a reputation out there where people are 
happy to recommend and refer. So giving away something actionable and tangible lets people know what it's going to be like to work with you. Whatever it is, like cold calling and cold emailing and things of that nature does work for certain products and certain services and certain industries, right? So I don't want to just like poop all over that in this discussion and say like, that's the wrong tactic. It does work. It can work, right? But I think the key here is understanding what's going to work for you, for you, your personality, for the clients that you intend to serve, what lights you up and makes you feel good inside, right? And so if you're never comfortable cold calling, you're never going to be comfortable cold calling, right? That means it's time to find another tactic. It's time to find another methodology for generating those leads. This is what I see all the time. And Shay, I'm sure you can back me up on this. We hit these marketing trends where everyone's like, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. You need to be boosting your Facebook posts. You need to be doing these things. You need to be on this social media channel. You need to be sending out these kind of emails, you know? And by the way, here's a script you can use. That's not in alignment with your brand, your story, your personality. It's all going to come across as bullshit to the people that you're trying to attract, right? Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So the goal is to go out there and sample the different techniques and the different tactics and figure out what works for you. It feels comfortable. It makes you feel good. I can totally do this. I feel confident when I do this because all of that is going to transfer to the person that you're trying to attract, to those clients that you're trying to bring in. When it comes right down to it, if you feel uncomfortable doing it, imagine what it feels like to the person on the other end, right? Yeah. I want to toss in there about that uncomfortability, a big piece of, I knew we were going to talk about this. I don't know if this is the right right time for it, but reducing the friction in your sales process, a big part of that is authenticity. (laughs) When you are authentic to you and to the moment that you're having with your potential client or your, your community or your audience, that reduces so much friction. So very often when I'm out there engaging with individuals, networking, just being a part of the community and having a discussion and asking the right questions and answering questions from a place of authority, like, like Chris was saying, there comes a point in that conversation where someone is saying, so how do I work with you? When you are just naturally having that conversation and you're being authentic with the ideas and thoughts and your, your, your beliefs, because that's another thing that can really disrupt a sales conversation is difference in, differences in beliefs. <laughs> so when you're actually having a conversation, you can kind of flesh all that out before you even get to that critical moment of whether you want them to buy from you because they've already made a decision, you know? And part of that conversation is that the fact that you are building value as that conversation goes along. Being aware of what your sales cycle is can also help you relax and just have that conversation <laughs> without rushing to the end game, you know? It's like dating. It's, you don't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, can we... Uh, go to the bedroom bedroom right now, it doesn't always work. (laughs) (laughs) And if it does, that's not the right customer for you. (laughs) No, I love that. And I think we, we sometimes think about the people who rush to the close or the people who go in for a hard and fast close, like, ooh, gosh, you know, I just met you. Don't try to sell me something yet. But honestly, I, I think those are the minority, right? Most of the young business owners... I don't mean young in terms of age, like new to business, new business owners, new entrepreneurs, especially in the small to mid-sized business range, we make it so difficult for people to hire us 
and to buy from us because we haven't put enough thought into the actual step one, step two, step three, step four of what it takes for people to actually engage and buy from us. So to Shay's point, if we're out at a networking event and you and I strike up a conversation and you're like, oh my God, this is it. Like you're the person I've been looking for. How do I work with you right now? You need to be ready to take their money right now. <laughs> like a, a mutual friend of Shay's and I's like once gave me that information, that advice, like really hard and blunt to the face. Like Robin, I'm ready to pay you right now. You need to be able to accept money from me right now, wherever we are, right? And it shouldn't be like, oh, well, um, I'll send you an email and then you respond to that email and then I'll send you an invoice. And then once you pay that invoice, you get this. And like, how many friggin' steps is that? Like how many hoops are we making people jump through just to start working with us, right? So take a moment right now as you're listening to this to think about how many hoops do I put people through before we actually start working together And there's another place to reduce friction. And if I meet somebody out and about tomorrow and they want to pay me right now, do I actually have the ability to accept that payment and to start that process right now? Because if you don't, then you probably want to take a look at how you onboard people, you know, how you get people started with whatever your product or service is. And you probably want to look at ways to make that mobile and instantaneous if you don't already have it. I carry around a little square dongle with me everywhere I go. Like, you want to give me money? I will take that money right now. Yes, please. Thank you. One word, Amazon. One click, buy. (laughs) Amazon, Netflix, services like that. We've trained people to be able to do it quickly, instantaneously. So I want to bring this around, but I want to give this example. So getting that hard advice about having too many steps and making it too difficult for people to engage with me right away, I rethought my whole onboarding process for clients. And I realized the importance of even though our service, like if it's coaching, our coaching might start next week, or if it's a workshop, your workshop might be scheduled for a month from now, but people like the excitement of having something tangible right now. So every service that I offer now has a PDF download that they get right away. And all that PDF download does is kind of tell them what's coming, but it's fun. It's in my branding. It's fit. It's all exciting. And it's building up the excitement of what's to come. And I have something in my hands right now. And so the transaction feels fulfilled, even if my coaching or my workshop starts in the future. So having something in my hands right now and building that thing that they can have in their hands right now also created that mechanism that allows people to pay me right now, even if something is coming in the future. So thinking about those processes and thinking about what people like and what lights people up and what you can do to give them some sort of tangible thing or delight right now at this moment, even if your product or service is delivered later down the road. Have you ever ordered something and you get like this wonderful, like, hey, here's what's happening. So-and-so is packing up your order and we can't wait to ship it out to you. Like even something as simple as like, oh my God, we're all so excited to pack your order type of email, right? Gives people that sort of instant gratification, even if the thing that they're getting comes later. Kathleen. I think that's a great point to run with that a lot of salespeople will get in their own way because like I said before with me, I was selling to myself. 
And if you take a moment to really understand what your customer's experiencing and what they want to experience, then you're going to have a much more tuned in sales process to exactly who they are and what, what you should be leading them through, what they're expecting, what's missing, what little emails, hellos, whatever, what little massaging you need to do along the way. But you have to come at it from their perspective. Put yourself really in their shoes and walk through the whole process A to Z to get there. Absolutely. I love that. And that means you, again, I will come back to this over and over and over again until the day I die. None of this works if you don't understand who your client is, if you don't understand who you're talking to, right? So number one, to Kathleen's point, you have to understand who it is that you're talking to in order to understand what sort of little emails and things you can put along the way that's going to satisfy them and delight them through that process. And then you, you need to understand what your sales cycles are. And so let's, let's talk about a sales cycle because part of the sales cycle is going from awareness of you to actually engaging with you. And then part of the sales cycle is the process from wanting to engage to actual deployment. So for example, if I'm doing a corporate workshop, there's the process from them reaching out to say, hey, we want you to come in and do this workshop to when I actually have a signed contract to when I actually go and fulfill that contract, it's really long, (laughs) right? So it could be multiple months of back and forth, going through legal, going through accounting, adjusting budgets, you know, now we need to add this on, right? So from the moment that they say, yes, they want to hire me to when I actually have a signed engagement, that could be three to four months, right? And then it could be another three to four months out before I actually perform the workshop, before I actually execute on what I've been engaged to do. So that's a six to eight month window for that one gig, right? So what am I doing in between those six to eight months to stay top of mind with this person, to still be top of mind with the other potential prospects who might hire me for another workshop, right? What other things do I have coming in that are going to fill my income bucket while I'm waiting in this six to eight month window to execute on this one thing, right? So you need to understand what those sales cycles are. I have another product or service where the sales cycle from when they first are aware of me to when they're ready to buy, that's where the really long window is. And that was a huge aha for me when I started doing more coaching. And it's probably going to shock people. And when you go do the research for yourself, for your own product or service, what that window of awareness to engagement is might be way longer than you think it is. So for me, it's two years. It's two years between when the person first sees me somewhere and is aware of me to when they're ready to engage with me, right, on that coaching. And part of that is because I serve people at a very specific time in their business life cycle journey. And so part of that two-year window is they're not ready for me yet, right? They know they're not ready for me yet. I know they're not ready for me yet, right? And so both of us have got to wait out this two-year cycle before they're ready. And I didn't realize that at first. 
And the first few times that I met somebody somewhere, and then it was like a year and a half to two years later before they're finally like, okay, I'm ready for you. (laughs) I had to really start asking questions, studying those metrics, studying those demographics. And that's when I was able to pinpoint, oh, I am best for people when they're in this specific window of their business life cycle, right? And so identifying that has helped me shorten, in many cases, that two-year upfront window, but I still plan for that two-year upfront window. And I'm still dropping content and planting seeds and developing the relationship so that when the two-year window has passed, there's no hesitation, right? Um, So it's just important to be aware of what those cycle lengths are and where they are so that you can account for them and and in some cases mitigate for them, right? Yeah. Get rid of the desperation that can happen when you find yourself without the right amount of cash flow. (laughs) It can really create those ripples that just disrupt everything. But if you're fully aware of the life cycle from meeting to actually doing the service and getting paid for it, then you can, you know, Put all the pieces together in your business so they work in cohesion. I think that's a really good point. And I think that's what a lot of people are trying to skip. And I think that's why some of those, what I like to refer to as snake oil salesmen are so successful because they give you a pitch that says you can skip that life cycle, that awareness to engagement cycle, and that you don't need to take the time to get to know people, that you can just make a million bucks by putting together a pretty flyer or a great social media post. Uh, And it's all crap. It is. It's all crap. There's no cheat codes. (laughs) There's no cheat codes for the natural sales process. And you just have to figure out what the natural sales process is for you, your product, and your service. There's no cheat code for it. There's no speeding it up. And there's this phrase that we used to use in the old school sales days that I think is still applicable, which is slow down to speed up. So slow down to speed up. And what that means is stop trying to rush to the close. Take the time to figure out what the actual process is, deliver what people actually want and need along that process, and then the close will naturally happen. And the more you do that, you will get more closes instead of trying to rush fewer people to a faster close, right? Yeah. So I want to toss in there that there's some questions that help trigger those things. What, how, and why? When you ask these type of questions, they generate those moments more frequently. Love it. Kathleen? Asking for a close along the way in your sales process can help immensely too, because certain people, they already know who you are. They already know what you've got and they want it. And if you keep going through your whole sales process, you are not going to sell it to them. They want to be done with it. They're coming. They want to go. And then other people need to be taken through that whole process along the way. So if you're not giving them the soft close opportunities along the way, you're actually going to lose customers. A thousand percent. And folks, you're, you're probably going to need to experiment with your wording here, right? And so this is where relying on how somebody else does it may not work for you. So I am very casual and I might say something like, like, Hey, I'm so glad you chose me. You and I have a long history together. Do you know where you're in for? Are you ready to sign on the dotted line now? Or do I need to show you some stuff, right? (laughs) And to Kathleen's point, if they know me, we have an established history, like they're ready to just go, then we could just go. We can skip all the la-di-da, right? But even if we have an established relationship, they may need to go, 
can you just show me X, Y, and Z so I'm clear? People will tell you what they need if you just ask the question. What do you need to see right now? Great. Are you ready to go right now? No? Okay. What's going to make you feel comfortable going right now? And we're not pushing. We're asking for what they need so we can give them what they need. That's very different than, so if I were to, you know, tell you that this product was going to do this, this, and this for you, is there any reason you wouldn't sign on the contract line with me today? That shit is fucking bullshit. I could, would you? It's asking for objections. It's saying, hey, tell me all the reasons you don't want my, why would you ask somebody why they don't want your service? If people object, they're going to object. And then that you can overcome them. (laughs) Because that's what people think we still want in a modern sales process. And that is not what people want anymore. I know what I need. Just fucking give me what I need. I'm glad you mentioned the overcoming objections thing. That irritates me so bad. Overcoming objections. And I remember our little papers in Outbound Sales where we had all of our list of rebuttals on there. And so to Jinx's point earlier, that's you're getting on opposite sides of the table and it becomes a battle. And I'm just going to keep pushing and keep pushing until you agree with me. And then the client, even if they agree with you, even if they realize, wait, this is the product for me. Well, now it's a battle of like, who's going to win? And they're going to say no, even if they want what you have. And so it's about getting on the same side of the, I like to use resolving objections because if there's an objection that tells me that either one, I don't know enough about you to be recommending something in the right way, or you don't know about enough about what I have to offer to be bought in. And so either way, the ownership is on me to figure out where the gap is. Absolutely. On this show and in our community calls, we tend to make a lot of parallels to relationships, business and personal relationships. And I think. One of the things I've learned over the years is that in order for a long-term relationship to continue to be a long-term relationship, we have to remember that we're on the same team. I won't misinterpret what my partner says if I remember that we're on the same team. And so if we're on the same team, then that thing that he said to me must be coming from a place of love and a place of wanting to help. And so sales in our business operates very much the same way. Like if your intent is to be on the same team with the person that you're trying to serve, then that's going to fundamentally shift how you approach that conversation. And to Jinx's point earlier, like an Angel's point just now, we shouldn't be sitting across from each other on opposite sides of the table. We should be sitting next to each other because I'm on your team. I want to help you. I want you to win. I want you to succeed. And I want to craft a solution for you that's going to enable that to happen. And so if we remember, that our goal is to be on the same team with the clients and people that we want to serve, then we let that color the tactics that we choose, the processes that we build, the things that we put in place, the conversations and how we structure them. It's kind of hard to lose. And that's why I love sales, you guys, because when you build a sales process that doesn't just work, but it works for you. It is customized to fit you and the people that you're trying to serve. You literally can't lose. All you can do is speed up the win. So I hope this has helped you all. Please come hang out with us in our Facebook group because we talk about shit like this all the time. Like I need very little incentive to nerd out about sales and sales processes. And I will be happy to answer your questions probably at more length than you desire. (laughs) 
So come hang out with us at our Facebook group. Search Unfuck My Business on Facebook to find our group. And it is in that group that you will find our weekly community support calls where we can literally help you build a sales process that works just for you. And if you have other questions or other topics that you want us to tackle in a future episode, please shoot us an email at WTF at unfuckmybusiness.com and we will be happy to craft an episode that is built just for you. Until then, on behalf of all these amazing folks that join me for this conversation today, we will see you next Tuesday. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode and go to unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show. 